Welcome to the podcast that puts a finger on the pulse of medicine and technology. On this show, you'll hear from investors, industry executives, and healthcare providers on the science and business of medicine. I'm your host, Omar M. Khatib, and this is the State of MedTech. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We have an exciting episode today. Now, this was originally recorded as a live stream. So when we discuss certain topics, you might be confused because the visuals aren't there. So if you're interested to see some of the visuals, um, just look at the show notes below. So let's get into today's topic. So NFL salaries are being paid in Bitcoin. Pictures of monkeys are literally being sold for millions of dollars and then retail investors are pooling enough money to purchase the u.s constitution and we've only started scratch the surface now i decided to embark on my journey within the web3 uh world and what is usually the uh obvious vehicle and nft project um and so the infamous and legendary mad device rep and uh henry peck who is another innovator and collaborator in the space, we all joined forces and decided to launch MedTech's first NFT project to focus mainly on community and growth within the medical device sales and marketing world. Um, Funny enough that as we've started to launch the project in Mint, we've even had physicians actually sign up, which will be very fascinating. So this episode is going to be focused on how NFTs and Web3 will change biotech, pharma, and medical devices. Um, and if you're a physician listening to this, this learning experience is powered by CMFI, which is a platform that helps bring relevant CMEs to busy clinicians just like you at the right place in the right time. So after listening to this episode, look at the show notes below, click that link, and within 30 seconds, you can type out your reflection, a few sentences of what you learned, and you can claim an AMA PRA Category 1 CME credit. That's right. So Without further ado, let's head to the show. What is going on, everybody? Hello. Happy Friday. Welcome to the show. You know how it is. My name is Omar Amkatib. I'm your head of state and host of the State of MedTech. we got a great show today. I'm going to be joined by my collaborators on this fantastic and first NFT project in the MedTech space. That is the infamous, the legendary, the epic, Mad Device Rep, and of course, Henry Peck, who you also know uh, in the in the uh, in the space. Now, I'm going to bring them on. We're going to have a great show. We're going to go a little bit into like what NFTs are. You know, for those of you who are who are not quite familiar with it yet. And as always, as always, I want to see you drop in the chat. We're across uh, multiple platforms: Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and of course LinkedIn. Drop in the chat. What city are you coming in from? Let's make the chat fun. You can ask questions there. We'll highlight your comments. Um, and then we'll just have a really good time. So let me bring him on. So of course, first to the stream, let me bring on the mad device rep. MDR, are you there? What's up, Red Hat gang? What is going on, my friend? As always, it's a pleasure to have you. It's an honor. How are things going in the, in the mad device world? That's going well. I'm just glad not to have to take the stream from my car in a hospital parking lot. So uh, it's been good. It's been busy. I think we're finally coming out of the woods on some of this COVID stuff, minus our own supply chain issues. So everybody hang in there. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, and great. We already got some comments. Kimberly, Kimberly V, thank you so much for joining, joining in from Milwaukee. 
Ava Gherkin from Paris. We got people from, we got international people. Hey, Perry, Perry, welcome. Uh, Sam Lipolis from Denver. Thank you so much. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, jump in the chat. Drop in the chat where you're joining in from. And of course, do some work, people. We're going to put a lot of energy into entertaining you right now. Throw some emojis up. This is how this uh, stream gets shown. And then let me bring on uh, our third collaborator. So Henry Peck is somebody that I met in the medical world. Uh, he's somebody who's in the surgical robotic space. And at a very, very early stage, he's somebody that stuck out to me because I've never met somebody who understood surgical robotics, the landscape, the innovation, the way Henry does. He's a young guy, but I'll tell you what, listening to him talk about med tech, decentralized science and innovation, it's kind of like watching John Madden call football. It's just really entertaining. Um, it's somebody that he's somebody that I'm constantly pushing. And for those of you who are aware of it, if you're on Clubhouse, all of you have joined the MedTech Club, which is the largest uh, clubhouse in healthcare on Clubhouse. It's 97,000 people. Henry is the uh, one of the founders of that club and the reason why it's so successful. So Henry Peck, welcome. How you doing? What's up? Good. How are you? Good, man. Good to see you. It's a pleasure. Awesome. And let me just give give a little shout out to some people who are who have uh, dropped in the chat. Andrew coming in from Dallas. Fabian. Fabian from Germany. Hope to find a use for NFTs for fundraising. You get, Fabian, you're on the right track, and Henry's going to cover that. Go. Mia, Mia's from San Francisco. John Hart, Cincinnati. Thomas, Pittsburgh. Uh, somebody's coming. Uh, Drew Meyer from Vail. So fancy. And Hans Kaspersen. Hans, somebody I have a tremendous amount of respect in the pharma world, biotech world, coming in from Jersey. Welcome, guys. Welcome, everybody. Now, before we jump into the discussion today, I know many people keep asking about what an NFT is, so on and so forth. I'm going to drop in the chat a link to an article for you to read. But really quick, I know it's Friday. Nobody wants PowerPoint slides, but I'm going to show just two quick, okay, I lied, three quick slides, and we're going to get right into it, okay? So here we are. Uh, gentlemen, you let me know as soon as you can see my screen. Let me know if you can see it. Looks good. I can. Awesome. So for real quick, I need to always give credit where credit is due. Rhett Mankind, I do not know him, but these are uh, uh, screenshots from his video on YouTube, who I, which I really liked a lot. I definitely recommend check it out. Go follow him. You know, I, I like his channel. I don't personally know him, but these are his slides. So let's talk about what an NFT is. So if we look at assets, okay, on the far left, we have what's fungible and non-fungible. What I want you guys to remember is something that's fungible is, is something that can be traded, right? So for example, uh, money, a dollar is equal to another dollar. One coin is worth one coin. One uh, brick, uh, gold brick is worth one gold brick. That's in the physical world, as you can see here in the, in the y-axis. So that's the physical world. In the digital world, things that are fungible, Bitcoin, right? Uh, uh, traveler points, you know, so tra you know, you know how you can trade traveler points. One traveler point in Southwest is worth one traveler point in Southwest. Ethereum, that's fungible. These things are all tradable. All right. Something that's non-fungible. All right. In the physical world, the Mona Lisa is non-fungible. Just because I paint an exact replica of the Mona Lisa doesn't make them make it the Mona Lisa. My house, if you took my exact house here today and replicated it next door to me, that's not the same house, right? That's non-fungible. Tickets to a concert or theater, those are that's non-fungible. And then finally, in the digital world, if you think about skins, so if you play video games like World of Warcraft or something, 
A skin is non-fungible. You can't trade that. Uh, contracts and patents, you know, digitally are non-fungible. And then this little cute kitty here, this is the first uh, NFT project that blew up called CryptoKitties. Those are non-fungibles. Now, the last thing is that when you think about a token, this is a digital contract, right? You're the only owner to it, and it lives on what's called the blockchain. So the blockchain is a public ledger. And the main thing I want you to remember is this, is that in real life, if I bought a Lamborghini and I took pictures with it, you don't know whether I really own that Lamborghini or I actually rented it out. However, if I show an NFT that's worth $500,000, that's public and you can, you, know, you can determine whether that's true or not. So let me stop sharing there and come back to the group and let's, let's kick this stuff off. So gentlemen, where do you guys want to start? And we're well, going to take start questions with, from the crowd. I just want to start with the fact that I'm scared that you know that Lamborghini that I rented in Miami was not actually mine. I know, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you out. <laughs> oh, man. That was, that was a low blow. Low blow. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's great to see kind of that framework laid out. And it is funny from a marketing perspective. Omar, I know you'll appreciate this, that they describe everything in Web3 as what it's not rather than what it is. I think the CTO of HubSpot called that out too. You know, non-fungible, decentralized, as opposed to describing what it is. And I think that can be where a lot of the confusion comes from. And so it's great to see it laid out that way. And I think, you know, we've talked about NFTs and, you know, the mechanics of them there on the blockchain, being able to store tokens. And, but what that literally means, I think, again, kind of breaking it out further is being able to store information and transmit it in such a way that it is able to be validated um, in a public way that can be applied. Now that decentralized framework to things like company building, fundraising, communication, community building, all things that we'll touch on. But I think it's important to keep in mind, it's not just about moving contracts left and right. It's about the things that are contained with that contract, the unique asset that, that contract is representing or pointing to is where the power is. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point to, thing to point out, Henry. I think Henry, where do you think most of the confusion comes from when it comes when it when it comes when people start thinking about NFTs and blockchain? Yeah, I think part of it is that they only see the top layer. So, you know, you see the price of Bitcoin change and you see the image of the kitty or the bored ape or the crypto punk that's representing the power of that NFT. And it's it's interesting because if we were to just show you the raw lines of code behind, you know, what is actually a bored ape that's giving you the power of that, people wouldn't really understand it. So the imagery and sometimes the art that is captured there to kind of be a proxy for that power ends up doing more harm than good. But I think that's what it is, is, is the top layer is what's super visible. What's less visible with something like the board eight are the discord communities they're a part of, the meetups they're having in New York City and Miami, the communication and networking that they're doing, kind of the, the key that the NFT is, you see, what you don't see is the door that it's unlocking. And so I think it's like if somebody's jingling around this big gold key, you don't really know what it does until you see the giant castle door that it unlocks. I think that's where a lot of the confusion is, is those doors are kept private and concealed for a lot of different reasons, but that's what the public doesn't see a lot of the times. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, something that I want to, you know, ask both of you guys, because both of you guys, um, like, like myself, we got, we got early in on, on, on crypto. Maybe you guys, I think were earlier than me, but I've been quote unquote hodl and holding my crypto since 2017. I think the positive side of NFTs is that of course, there's a lot of attention to the media and everything, but what people are seeing are like teenagers making hundreds of thousand dollars on like these JPEGs. And of course, um, I feel like once you get into the crypto game, it's same with NFTs, 
The problem is that a lot of people look for a shortcut to wealth, right? Like it's a lottery ticket. And that's where a lot of scams and, and, and issues come up. And I think that does a lot of injustice to what this could really be, especially in a more serious setting like you know, Henry, you and I are going to be on stage next week at at LSI to talk about Web3 and NFTs in front of like, you know, the world's most powerful strategics and investors. There's a whole other world of how this can be taken seriously and really change things. But I mean, what do, what do you guys think thoughts about like, you know, I mean, I feel like 98% of the NFT projects out there are probably going to end up being scams. Maybe not 98%, but what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I can touch on that as somebody who got rug pulled not too long ago. <laughs> and could you and for the for the for the for the for the people who are not aware of what this term rug pull is, can you please define that? It's one of the worst things that can happen to you in the crypto world. So it's basically when a project is sold as a very legitimate investment. And what ends up happening is the founders involved have set it up as nothing but a cash grab. So they'll make all of these promises of what the NFT is going to do, what, are, what you're going to get access to, communities, merchandise. And as soon as they sell out all of their NFTs, all of the founders go dark. They delete all of their posts. Their Discord communities are deleted. They actually go as far to, as to change their Twitter handles uh, and all of their social media handles. So there's really no accountability. It's hard to trace. And there's a very important mm. distinction to be made across these NFT projects between things that are really just a cash grab, a worthless JPEG, you know, a picture of like some half-assed picture of a cat versus <laughs> a project with real utility and real founders. So to put the, our community's mind at ease, Omar and Henry are public figures on this project. Their names are assigned to this. We've, we've, we've doxed ourselves, essentially, yeah. I'm, I'm an anonymous figure, but I also have a brand to protect. I, I, I would hate to throw away the uh, two and a half years I've spent building this community and the trust of the community over a project that's not legitimate. So that's, that's what I want to clarify is when you're looking at the NFT market and you're looking at updates and news and you see all of these scams coming out, NFTs alone are not scams. They're not scam projects. There's real utility and use cases behind it. Go ahead, Henry. I was going to say, you know, maybe to, maybe this statement will be a little controversial as, as where I take it, but you know, I, I think it's a great call out, right? The scams become very public in Web three, and I think that's because it's new. And so when people don't understand, they're looking for those. You see those negative cases a lot. But what I think people kind of forget is that scams, in and of themselves, have existed well before Web three. And I would argue that as we talk about healthcare and decentralized science per se, um, you know, you could argue that you got rugged if you gave your data to 23andMe. You paid them $150 to sequence your genome, turn around, batch your data, and then sell it at a massive profit to pharma, and you saw $0 on that. And you never knew that's what they were going to do with your data because you just thought you were getting insights on your genetics and history and you know, ancestry and all this stuff. So. You know, again, I would argue, of course, it's, it's a different a different concept. It's not, you know, turning around and going dark, but that kind of public deception is something that I think has been around in every era of the Internet. And what I think is encouraging about Web3 is that although, yes, you're seeing in the early days some naivety leading, you know, the holes in the system being exposed, the transparent governance that DAOs operate with, that these decentralized organizations are forced to operate with, and the, the ability to um, you know, trace and track and validate using blockchain-based technologies as digital fluency 
uh, you know, rises and adoption increases, I think you'll actually see the prevalence of scams like that go far down as opposed to continue. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know if uh, his, his profile is going to show, but real quick, I want to show a uh, uh, this is Tim Fitzpatrick. Right now, it's just LinkedIn user. Uh, Tim, you have your th- you have your profile in private, but that's okay. So Tim says he loves the shout out to Darmesh. Darmesh is the uh, founder of HubSpot, and he's mentioned that he's talking a lot about Web three in the B two B landscape. Um, but kind of bringing it back to uh, to our project, maybe maybe that's a good place to start, which is. Um, why did we start the, start this project, and what's the purpose of it? Someone buys this NFT that we're going to be that we're going to be minting soon or launching. What does that essentially mean? What you know? What do they What do they own, and what does that mean for them? So I can talk about how it relates to you know the Red Hat Gang community, what we've built across the Instagram platform. You know, one, this is a representation of who we are as sales reps. The figure itself is a chameleon or the character of this NFT that it's based on. And that came from a poll that we ran, as this is probably a month or two ago, about, you know, what is the spirit animal of the Red Hat Gang? You know, how do we see ourselves as medical device professionals uh, if we had to relate it to an animal? And of course, the first few, the first few submissions, you have the honey badger, the tiger, the lion. And I, I'm trying to make it pretty specific. Like, let's get original here. Like, let's think a little bit deeper than that. And it came down to the honey badger and the chameleon. And the chameleon won. And the reason behind that was people like to say the phrase, you know, honey badger doesn't give a shit. You know, that reps are going in with this reckless mentality and just selling and burning everything down. But that's not really what we do. What we try to do is really address the needs of the customer, blend into our environment, protect our habitat in a productive manner. And so it ended up being, in my mind, the perfect spirit animal and the perfect character for this NFT project. And so what it means to our community even deeper than that is the chance, if you're holding this NFT, to help us build and continue to build out this concept of NFTs and how they relate to this community. So we'll get into that a little bit deeper, but there will be a community platform on Discord where you will have exclusive access to this community by holding onto this NFT. Yeah, and I think, you know, Omar, when we had started the dialogue and, and, you know, brought MDR in, a lot of it was about, you know, the proof point that this technology is not only being adopted by the system at large, but the individuals inside the system that are going to have to lead that first wave of change in med tech, biotech, life science. So, you know, kind of creating an NFT with community utility, it's both something where, as MDR is saying, there's going to be a community aspect to it. We're going to continue to grow, foster connections. I think about if we had had kind of technologies like this in the loop during something like the clubhouse boom, how easy and effective it would have been to create that sense of community, to monetize your community, monetize your audience, you know, you know, with other companies, with, uh, you know, other opportunities. Um, And, you know, this is much less of that play, but much more of the, let's bring the great, the great connections and, and foster the collaboration that we had there over here in the next generation of the internet. And also kind of get people wearing this as a badge of honor. Like we are embracing this. We're moving fast as a med tech, healthcare, biotech, life science community. Whereas in previous generations, this industry has been notoriously slow moving. So really want to kind of just push the envelope a little bit and challenge our community to be the leaders in something new rather than the followers. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Oh, MDR, go, go ahead. And, and just a, another re- uh, reminder to our audience, thank you. For, you know, we have a lot of people watching across all these platforms. If you have questions or comments, like drop them in the chat, I will highlight them. So especially if you have a question, please drop them that in the chat. MDR, uh, you're, you're going to say something? I just wanted to clarify something about what we mean, too, when we talk about this community for this NFT project. We're talking about MedTech on the whole, right? It's not exclusive. You don't have to be a rep to be involved in this project. If you build the product, if you use the product, regulate it, doesn't matter. You know, this project's for everybody involved in this entire industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something I'm glad you brought that up because what was interesting and I, I was planning on this happening, but not so f- not as fast as I expected. But, you know, in our initial uh, email list of people who wanted to sign up to purchase the NFT, which, by the way, uh, just for for everybody, you know, who's wondering, we're still dis- discussing like where we need to price it at, but it's not going to be like hundreds of dollars or even in the thousands. We want to make it affordable for people. And the other thing I want everyone to know is that um, we've all, aside from the hours of time that we've put in ourselves, uh, we've we've uh, actually put money into these things. So we had to put money into designing the website, the 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 NFT uh, artwork that costs about three thousand dollars, believe it or not, because we went with a really good designer. Um, but something that I wasn't expecting it, uh, so soon was physicians have actually signed up to. To, to get access to this. And I think what's interesting about that is that physicians, you know, if you look at Dr. Vinod Dasa, who's an orthopedic surgeon, he's very big about the uh, medical sales rep becoming a trusted advisor. And so if, you know, in building this community, uh, having physicians involved will give access to reps to understand like how, how the market landscape is changing. I think the mad device rep, one thing that I really admired was that during the pandemic, uh, the Instagram page that MDR uh, manages became a huge resource for data and information in in real time because we could never figure out what was going on in the news, but reps would submit what was going on in their territories and MDR would constantly put updates of what's happening in the country with hospitals, cases, so on and so forth. Um, and so I think adding physicians to the mix only strengthens it. And I would say, I know we're going to have some med tech execs join. I would not be surprised if some hospital CEOs join, join as well. And that's where one other thing Dr. Dasa said that I thought was really profound and changed the way I looked at my business and even my social media page was he looks at reps to be curators of information. And I realized, you know, that's what we were doing during a pandemic with updates about what was going on in everybody's territories. But it's also what I'm trying to do, supporting my vision going forward, but also the vision of this project. Mm-hmm. If we have this diverse community it's a lot easier to curate that information with people with diverse backgrounds and new perspectives and opinions and insight on where this needs to go. Absolutely. And uh, we have, uh, so speaking, funny enough, speaking of physicians, we already have a physician. Uh, I know we have multiple physicians watching this, but we have one physician who just asked a question. Uh, Dr. Uh, George T. Matthew uh, asked, do, yeah, thank you, Matt, Dr. Matthew, for the question. So the question is, do you eventually see individuals and committee, uh, communities being able to mint their own NFTs of their health data? I have a quick answer to that, but I want to uh, uh, hand it over to Henry because he's he's got a much deeper perspective on this. My quick answer is yes, and think of it like this. I'll use myself as an example. How many times, and I'm a young guy, I went to medical school. I'm not like, you know, I have my mental faculties. How difficult it is when I changed from, let's say, Kaiser to to Blue of California for my health insurance. 
every single time I have to remember what information I have to give that doctor to know about my personal medical history and my background history, et cetera. And I mean, I'm going to like really nice uh, physician offices here in California. I went to one and I had to fill out paper, paperwork, and I had to write things down. So imagine that you actually mint an NFT that is authenticated on, on a public ledger that shows your, your health data, right? So that could be transferred. So I, like you, you don't have to guess about this stuff anymore. And more importantly, doctors are able to have that access so they have they can provide better care. But let me let me hand it over to Henry. Henry, please take it from here and share your thoughts yeah. on that. And I want to just qualify. Look, I'm no, you know, I'm no blockchain maverick. I'm, you know, I'm 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 studied and, and I'm involved in the space, but I would say kind of the application that you're talking about, Omar, I actually know a couple of companies working on. Um, and really the app the the mechanical side of it would be less of a I mint an NFT for my data. It's more of a a wallet. You think like a MetaMask, a phantom. Right, a, a digital wallet that's that aggregates information from different areas into your kind of patient wallet that you then take with you as you transition care like that. So yeah, very, very similar concept as what Dr. Matthews describing. I think though conceptually, when we, when we take a step back and look broader at NFTs that contain or link to health data, um, and this is gonna tie into something that Fabian has said in the comments about choosing which information you share. Uh, let's take a practical example from a company called Genomes.io that has a DAO. And what they've done is minted NFTs such that they, you know, that NFT codes for your genomic sequencing kit. You receive your kit. And then once you sequence your genome, your genome is now, your genome data, uh, genomic data is now affiliated with the NFT that you own. And that gives you access to the platform to be able to monetize your genomic data with pharmaceutical companies to be able to, um, batch it and sell it and to selectively decide who can see it and who doesn't see it. So if you just want the insights from that data and you don't want any of the big pharma to see it, you can turn it off. If you only want certain uses of it, you can slide that on. So an example of where an NFT can actually be the key that unlocks the data that you're referring to there. Yeah, absolutely. And something that I want to, uh, uh, let me pull up as a banner, just in terms of, in terms of data, uh, here we go. So here's something to keep in mind. So over $1.2 billion of clinical documents are produced in the U.S. every year. 80% of them are either unstructured or, again, locked away. And then here's the other uh, f uh, figure that you need to know is that uh, Americans spend about $750 billion, that's billion with a B, $750 billion a year on unnecessary treatments. And, and it's really true. Again, me having had some medical training and then working within the medical industry, this is absolutely true. Right, even uh, delaying treatment by one week or having a certain diagnosis, you end up you have a massive amount of waste in the healthcare system because of this. Um, gents, we have another uh, good question. Let me bring it up. Uh, ah, here we go. And this is again uh, for those who wonder if you, why your profile doesn't show up. And this is the the downside is that when you make your profile private publicly, you can't see your name or 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 face but uh so drew i'm gonna keep I'll, i won't see your last name drew said i'm an nft rookie help me understand how does the chameleon nft provide access to the medtech community y'all are building is it more of a fundraising opportunity drew you must be from texas because you said y'all and i say that because i'm a fellow texan so um guys which one of you guys want to take this question go ahead mdr sure i can talk about that so there's there's a couple ways to there's a couple ways that we verify this. So the community platform is going to live on the Discord application. So if you're not familiar with Discord, 
it is a community platform where you can set up these um, inclusive communities that are invite-based, and there's different channels where you can interact that can either be public or private. And so as moderators, we have access to who gets access to these different categories of channels. So the Mad Device Club has its own category within our community platform. And so there is actually a best way to describe this is basically a bot service that can connect to your wallet and verify if you are a legitimate holder of this NFT and we can grant you access to that. There's another manual process where it's basically a screenshot of your wallet to prove that you do hold this you know, unique NFT since you, NFTs all have a unique address, just like any kind of crypto token. And so for us, it'll probably start from a manual process as we continue to build this out but we verify that you have proof that you own this asset and we grant you access to this community, if that makes sense. Perfect. Yeah, and I think summed it up, summed it up really well. And again, I would just point out that the NFT is, again, this is one, an NFT is one component of this broader Web3 decentralized ecosystem. So although this is kind of your key that unlocks, you know, unlocks the door and brings you into this community, there are other things within the Web3 space that this community can have be built around it. We can bring together other opportunities. And then those that hold NFTs have early access, uh, special privileges and rights, the opportunity to contribute and help build the community as well, all kind of in the Web3 environment. So it's just the beginning as well. Yeah. And we have another uh, another good question. I, I can take this one real quick. So Scott Nelson, Scott Nelson, thank you. Scott. Uh, Scott says, in this instance, would, in, would the NFT containing my personal information need to then uh, meet multiple EHR criteria to allow import? How do we break the reliance on EHR, which leads to many of these issues? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm going to piss off a lot of people. Well, not a lot of people. Doctors are going to love what I'm about to say. The EHR companies are going to be pissed, but, you know, whatever. EHRs uh, were not designed to help you practice medicine better. And I can speak about this because, again, you know, just as a fact, you know, I did spend time in medical school, you know, and so I, I and, and then I work closely with doctors. EHRs or electronic healthcare records were not designed to help you practice medicine. Doesn't matter how many times you see a certain case, um, patients do not fit in a drop down menu. EHRs were designed as billing mechanisms um, and essentially, in my opinion, uh, a form of indentured slave labor for administratively for doctors. Okay. Um, so I think the biggest thing is that a doctor, doctors do not need the EHR, right. In order to help them diagnose a patient. Right. And, and a, a perfect example of this, this is and Henry uh, MDR. Let me know if I'm off on this example. For example, I, I wear a whoop device, right? So one of the things that's on there is heart rate variability. That's not in the EHR, but when I go and talk to the doctor, I open my phone. I'm like, look, this is what my heart rate variability looks like the last like, you know, three months. We look at it together and the doctor's like, yeah, okay. So based on this, you should, yeah, continue to, you know, try not drink alcohol because that throws your AHR, H, HRV off. And you should try, let's say, walking like three to four times a week, you know, so that that's a great example of that, you know, and then the doctor can record that in the EHR. I, I would say that it's one of those things where we're not going to have all the answers at the beginning, but introducing a new vehicle to address problems is one way to start breaking the old system, you know, and then you, you kind of build from there. Henry, MDR thoughts. I just want to take what, uh, what 
Sam in the comments said she's a you know experienced telehealth EMR you know expert, and she said they're for getting paid. You summed it up very well. Yeah, uh, let's look at let's look at the comments real quick. Um, and some really good ones. Yeah, some really good ones. Uh, oh, so he so another another physician, Doctor. Oh, Joe Joe Littlejohn. By the way, uh, let me uh, take this one. <laughs> yeah, take this one. But I got to tell you, Doctor Joe, Dr. Joe Littlejohn, in my opinion, has like one of the coolest names I've ever seen. Joe Littlejohn. So Joe Littlejohn. Um, uh, how do you envision medical care delivered in the metaverse? Yeah, Henry, oh, you 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 guys, please you you take this one. I, yeah. So like as much as I love we, this technology, we knew that we knew this we knew this live stream was going to send us down some rabbit holes, man. So yeah. like you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's kind of again break down the some of the terms and stuff here. So like the metaverse gets a ton of buzz. And I think one thing that's really kind of irritated me recently is seeing companies that are web two companies that make augmented and virtual reality, <laughs> you know, things like that now rebrand and especially in SEO yeah. too. They're all the metaverse. Oh, metaverse. metaverse. Like, yeah. I'm like, this is not the metaverse. Yeah. Like, Al <laughs> the company I work at, we build augmented reality driven platforms for neurological disease diagnosis and brain health. We are not a metaverse company right now. That's not what, that's not what we Met are. And so, and I think like, the you know the reason i bring it up like this is that don't don't be fooled by the by what you see on you know people buying real estate in decentraland and you know people selling gucci purses for millions of dollars in virtual space like those are there are applications in gaming and in potentially in real estate and things like that but i do not think what the metaverse is referring to when it comes to care delivery and healthcare more broadly is that you are going to be having you know sim style meetings with your patients what the metaverse to me really refers to is the transition of thinking that things in a digital environment can have value the same way we've assigned value to things in a physical environment and so what i think may be more potent at least in the short term is not the idea of you're going to see you know care with your avatars but perhaps that data could be used more effectively um, you know, we think in creating digital twins in clinical trials or, you know, th things like that, where you're, you're still preserving reality. I mean, it's not like we're going to be just, you know, strapped into a headset, living in this fake world, you're going to see fake doctors and that whole thing. But I think the idea is that your care delivery in the metaverse, I think is going to be a more complex, nuanced approach to individuals having access and data transparency with their providers rather than feeling like their care and their data lives in silos, is not able to be moved effectively, they don't have access to it effectively, and they don't own it um, at the end of the day. So I think that those are more the realities that I wanna really focus on, and especially a lot of what we're seeing in now in decentralized science, the way that we're potentially realigning incentives in drug development and you know in healthcare. Um, really think that's the, the things to think about, not, you know, worry about having to see patients in some simulated VR uh, environment. Yeah, I, I mean, completely I, there agree. Are, there are applications in, in you know, of course, there are applications in, in using VR in, in training and potentially interoperative applications in surgery and things like that. And, um, you know, you see a lot of the really cool stuff happening in, in haptics and, um, and real-time feedback, but that's not really, I think, the direction that I'm as, I'm as locked into. <laughs> So you don't yeah. need an Oculus just to go see your doctor? I don't think so yet, MDR. But if I but if I did, you might want to worry because that means you're out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. But that is one thing too that I think that not specific to medical care, but to how medical care is supplied can also 
be affected by this, you know, new Web3 technology since these transactions are designed to be very transparent and, you know, immutable, which is one of those blockchain words that gets thrown out there, essentially meaning unchanging, where you look at things like payment processing and the way that hospitals cut POs uh, could potentially, there could potentially be some utility there in the Web3 process or in the Web3 yeah. technology. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, something that when when I saw the metaverse stuff come out and like these different companies like, oh, met, we're we're getting in the metaverse and everything. It kind of reminds me. And Henry, you probably remember this when um, I feel like AI became like a, a serious buzzword like five years ago. And there was all these med tech companies that were just like low tech. And it's like, oh, we have some data, like random data. We're an AI company now. Yeah, and it's just because, like because analytics, yeah. you, you can just take you know if you if you actually look at what that means in most cases in medical device and we can get it like in ai enabled diagnostics or ai you know all these decision making support tools it's generally now we progress to like supervised machine learning models that learn from training sets and make binary classifications and that's what they do but that's you know that's like supervised machine learning it has a definition versus just like statistical analysis or clustering of data which is not ai but you know, the same way people, I, I, I know where you're going, where you just kind of, you have a remnant of the core technology. So you throw the big buzzword on top of it. Same thing, what you're seeing in, in the metaverse. Yeah, that that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Joe Littlejohn, thank you for the for the comment. I got, so we got a lot of people actually on other platforms like Twitter and YouTube. One of the questions I got, uh, let me just share my screen real quick because people are asking about the uh, talk that you and I are giving next week, uh, Henry. So it's going to be at the Life Science Intelligence uh, Emerging MedTech uh, uh, Summit up in Dana Point. And uh, uh, Scott Pento, who's the uh, head and the organizer of the conference and of LSI, uh, will be giving us that video so that way we can share it. You'll be able to watch it. But just so people can see, um, there are this, the conference itself, I think, is at this point sold out. But there are going to be there is uh, virtual tickets. So let me just show that real quick so people know where to go. And I probably just gave somebody a seizure. Uh, with that. Um, so if you guys just head to uh, life science and then actually let me, I'll, I'll, I'll grab this and drop it in the chat. But if you go to uh, uh, life science market research.com, you'll go to their homepage. Here's the uh, summit. And then if you go to the keynote and panels uh, here is, yep, there we are. And, and I have to give credit to Henry for this amazing uh, title. If I can pull it up, here we go. Web3 NFTs and decentralized science, the most important topic that you don't understand but should. We actually might be adding uh, a, a guest panelist as well, uh, another investor. Uh, but somebody I do recommend you guys go follow. Go follow Scott Pantel on uh, on LinkedIn. So, but let me come yeah. back. We we have some that's other- gonna uh, such a fun, That's going to be such a fun panel and just an, a great opportunity to- get really you know important powerful accomplished individuals in our space thinking about this technology oh absolutely absolutely we had a really good okay here we go i, I didn't read this whole uh uh section yet or this whole comments let me come back to you guys real quick okay here we go uh mia niance uh mia niece uh okay use cases and early discovery research leverage large data sets genomic proteomic clinical i uh, internet of things etc mostly rely on large on a large n or you know a large uh, large 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 group of these, so versus an n of one in silico by alex Z, uh 
last name too long for me to pronounce, uh, Zavor, Zavornikov is an example case. The concept of a personal omic wallet is N of one versus a large set that you can use for G GWAS or yeah, FIWAS analysis. She's, she's yeah, referring, yeah. referring to pheno, like phenotypic wide analysis. Okay, here's the question. What are your thoughts on aggregation of individuals into a large data set? And I'm going to take her her question off because it's like cutting cutting off half of our heads here. But Mia, thank <laughs> no, you for the question. If you have more questions, audience, please drop it in the chat. Yeah, as much as I know this is like bad bad po po uh, bad bad poise on a live stream to say take something offline, Mia. I think that question might go one layer above everything to dissect because it's so important. But I think that idea of batching, um, you know, in in phenotypic and genotypic data is where companies like Genomes Dow and the work that they're doing is coming into play. If you can, you know, the value, if I, if I walked to Johnson and Johnson tomorrow and said, Hey, do you guys want my data for drug discovery? They tell me to go kick rocks. But if I found, you know, 10,000 other people with similar genomic qualities or similar phenotypes, um, of in, you know, we're in targets of interest, that's where the money comes from. And that's where companies like 23 and me have mastered that sales funnel. So what they're doing in kind of cutting out that middleman, giving individuals the ability to aggregate their data and batch it into a decentralized organization that owns and monetizes it and compensates the NFT holders in that organization. Um, that's where I think this kind of large data set analysis will come from. Um, and I was going to say, if, for those who haven't followed in Silico, really, really cool company to look at um, AI and drug discovery, really, really uh, cool stuff. Absolutely. Uh, hold on one second. See, at some point, I'm going to get an assistant to manage manage all this for me, like the chat and stuff. That's why I'm looking this way. I'm looking at the comments. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Hans Hans Kapsperson, just quick question. He said, you know, he mentioned what surgeon um, were we talking about? Uh, the surgeon. The surgeon is Vinod Dasa, and actually, let me drop it in. Uh, so. Okay. Oh, actually, somebody else dropped it in. Okay. Uh, let me gotcha. put. Got it. Okay. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. 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 Uh, there was a um, Omar. There was a question up there from uh, from Bill. If you see his first question around the kind of the parallels between what you might be seeing and kind of the. 1920s and SEC regulation versus this kind yeah. of regulatory structure right now. I think that'd be interesting to kind of to touch on. Oh, Bill Pacement. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, go for it. What's up? Yeah, just to kind of uh, just to touch on that. I think you know there are a lot of a lot of parallels, but here we go. Bill Pacement. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. He 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 looks like he could be your mustache mentor too, Henry. By the I way, I think so. I think yeah. so. That must be why I wanted to answer the question. So the question is, suppose people put their medical records in an NFT, what prevents a third party from accessing it and just copying all the data out of it? That was not the question I was talking about. He's got two oh. short. Oh, short here answer. we go. Here we go. Short answer encryption. That's short a, yeah. question. I see, I, see his other, I see his other question above. Go ahead. Answer this one quickly, Henry, and let's pull up his other question. Encryption. Next question. <laughs> okay. Encryption. Yeah, good. Yeah, how's it say? Great. All right, here we go. So here's the question. Rug pull 
in quotes, uh, uh, sounds a lot like company formation in the 1920s. SEC regulation was introduced as a response to people losing their money in quote unquote companies like that. What do you see as the trade-offs between the SEC style regulation and the current Dow crypto NFT structure? That's a great question. Yeah, super insightful question. I know Omar, we've talked a lot about this as kind of the the transition of investor kind of the pendulum swinging around of you kind of your investor regulations versus your free and open you know do whatever you want with your money um you know so i've gotten to be i was uh, i was around when gamestop really started popping off early and i remember just kind of a lot of what people were discussing and a lot of these ideas for those that were around when retail investors started kind of pooling their money using wall street that's essentially coordinating um you know holding activities with a stock that was experiencing a short squeeze um, and then therefore driving the price of the stock through the roof and costing hedge funds, uh, a lot of money as they got caught holding the bag. Um, you know, one thing that I think you bring up a great point that the investor, the regulations that were set there were set in response to individuals losing a ton of their money in these, you know, companies. And what is happening is I think the pendulum is swinging back the other direction from those regulations to retail investors being able to invest more freely and showing appetite and um, efficacy in doing it, quite frankly. Um, you know, the accredited investor system in the country really does prohibit, I think, a lot of individuals who have disposable income but don't have the pedigree or family money, per se, to make high risk but high potential reward uh, investments. And so crypto, as you've seen, has been one vehicle by which a lot of these individuals are, you know, potentially losing money but have made significant money. Now cryptocurrencies themselves as a form of investment obviously have some controversy in that there are a lot of you know just high net worth and you know whales as you call them that drive the market but i think what i get really excited about is the intersection of what you see with like equity crowdfunding and these DAOs now um so in equity ah. crowdfunding with something like the cares act where medtech companies can raise you know close to 100 million dollars um in equity crowdfunding that that kind of narrative is being carried through um into the web3 space you're seeing DAOs, you know raise a ton of money with the intention of making investments or purchases i'll give a few examples and then kind of bring it to medtech um constitution dow was the first to do this when the constitution went up for sale retail investors bought the and, token wait let's I, I don't want you to gloss over that when you say the constant like literally yeah. the u.s constitution right the united states constitution individuals started a decentralized autonomous organization so a, a basically a company built into the fabric of web3 its governance its rules and policies its voting all done on the blockchain on a decentralized ledger so these individuals had the goal of buying the constitution and they came pretty close um now though that idea of using a decentralized organization to fundraise in an unregulated fashion from individuals is being applied for a variety of really cool use cases. If you're a golfer, for example, there's a DAO called LinksDAO, L-I-N-K-S-D-A-O, where individuals, they've minted NFTs that they're selling to individuals. And the goal is to raise enough money to buy a golf course. There's individuals who are doing this to try and buy the Denver Broncos NFL football team. And in MedTech, what you're seeing, or just in MedTech and life science, there's a company called Molecule that has invented an IP NFT framework and they have seeded a few different DAOs, one called VitaDAO in the longevity biotech space, SciDAO in the psychedelic space. And the goals of those companies are to fundraise, to make investments in early stage intellectual property in psychedelics, 
longevity, biotech, et cetera. And I expect to see a lot more DAOs like that driving investment in the future. So I really appreciated that question, Bill. And if you want to talk more about it, feel free to message me. And there's a term, there's a term that you'll see pretty common to DAOs where they're trying to build a treasury. And what that treasury is, is essentially their pool of money to use for different follow-on projects and exactly what Henry was talking about. So to clarify right now, um, we're really trying to cover our costs with this and truly focus on the community. And, and eventually to be able to build a treasury would be a great part of this vision. So we, you know, as the Man Device Club community can leverage this treasury to build great things together and have everybody with an equal part and feedback and being able to drive this. Absolutely. And uh, we have some other really good questions come up, but first I got to give some uh, props to one, one of the, one of the funnier comments that I love. Uh, uh, Doyle Miller, the third diamond hands, man. Yes. That's, let me tell you this, this, this project, all we want is diamond hands. We don't want paper lettuce hands. So for those who, who are wondering what that means, that's diamond hands is, is coming from the retail investor world. Meaning when you invest in something, you hold it long. You don't have like weak paper hands where you just try and sell immediately. So yeah, we're looking for diamond hands on this. Um, uh, and in a sec, in a little bit, uh, I, I do want to bring up, I'll bring up the uh, actual NFT and maybe we can talk about it, gents. But uh, Scott Nelson has another great question, a great question that's going to piss some people off. But that's what the show's about. We, we, we don't hold anything back. So Scott Nelson says, well, if I can mint my own NFT, effectively, I am my own NFT, such as healthcare related. Could I theoretically allocate money to my NFT, exchange both data and services directly with a physician? Meaning earlier, we killed uh, EHR companies. Can we kill insurance now too? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I love that. Can... MDR, if you get a start, sorry, I think he just, he might be playing three-dimensional chess while I'm playing checkers. So I need a second here. Scott, Scott Nelson. I love it. Uh... I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if I'm smart enough for this question. So I'm just going to let Henry so, read through it and digest it. So uh, I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, yeah. And I got to, I got to spend some time thinking about this, but here's, here's what I would say. We're, we're we've entered a world where, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are, are looking for alternatives for lifestyle. For example, working from home. A lot of people realize, hey, I'm making, for example, $150,000 in this job. I'm miserable. I'm traveling all the time. I want to work from home and do these projects and make $100,000 a year, but I, I have a better quality of life, those kind of things. The other side of it, if you look at healthcare, people who have you know at least some kind of an income, right? And you don't have to be a millionaire to do this, are looking for alternatives. For example, uh, Daniel Paul is an orthopedic surgeon. He's the only surgeon right now in the United States who's got no office. He's a mobile orthopedic surgeon and is cash only. Now, the first people who first thing people think about is like, oh, well, only rich people can afford him. That's actually not true. A lot of people who of his patients are middle income. People are looking for alternatives. Look, I have health insurance. I pay for my own health insurance. It's good health insurance. Sometimes I can't go see a, a primary care for like a month or two. So you know what I do? I say, you know what? It's not worth it for me to wait. Instead of paying a $30 copay, I'm willing to pay $100, $200 to see somebody tomorrow to take care of this. So if people are getting more creative about how they look at healthcare and how they manage their own healthcare, they will think of you know creative ways like this. And again, I think it just takes little changes and steps to start really not only change, not change, 
I think this healthcare system doesn't need to be disrupted. I think it needs to be completely changed, which means something new and different needs to be created, right? In competition with it. Henry, MDR thoughts? I mean, Go I ahead, think, MDR. I think that at a, at a much higher level, when you look at the way that we do things like insurance policies, and they are, you know, living in web two right now, right? So your, your policy is living in web two. The transparency is not quite there. You know, the history of your policy is really entirely, you know, just looking at personal insurance, it's not necessarily, you know, easily accessible what that history looks like. If you have insurance policies that live on the blockchain, that history is very transparent. And you would essentially own that policy because uh, it's something that could be a you know, basically living on a block in Web3. But Henry, I'll let you, you know, add on to that. No, I think you guys, you guys got it. I'm just chewing on, I'm chewing on Scott's question. I think I need to understand a little bit more about how he wants to allocate money. Because um, it's hard to, under, you know, it, basically what I could see is a, because you would need a collection per se for that. Henry, I, it's, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You know what this, what this calls for? I think you need to think about this. This needs, this needs to be your next article, my personal opinion. Oh man, this is quite a question. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of the mechanics of because I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to like falsely misunderstand it. Scott, I'm going to ask you to message me. And we're going to clarify it because I want to. I will put something out about it for sure. But I want to understand the allocation of money to it. And I think that could be to the distinction between your wallet in a digital asset. And, yeah. Because your wallet would essentially be, you know, cryptocurrencies became a mainstream source of currency. I think we're starting to slowly get there. Mm -hmm. Your yeah. and, currency assets live in your wallet, just like your and, digital assets yeah. do. And I do see no reason why, for example, a group of physicians could not create a, you know, whether it was vertical or horizontally integrated, create a decentralized organization where native currency was exchanged and NFTs were minted and they were stored in a wallet for that individual who was part of that DAO had. So, I mean, I think you could create more of a consortium based approach to that. Um, but where you draw the line on the community would probably be the challenge. Hey, Henry, I was going to say, I know you, I know you have to hop soon. So why don't we let you kind of uh, like have some, you know, final thoughts and, and, and words about uh, the project, the NFTs, whatever you want. So floor, floor is yeah. yours. So take it from there. I appreciate it. It's not like I haven't had enough speaking time. I, I've really enjoyed being up here and, and, and talking with everybody. And so I think what, what I really just like want to get across as we do this is, you know, MDR has done a great job kind of, putting the point as clearly as we could possibly say, you know, this is not a, a, you know, just a cash for NFT thing. And you're never going to see people again. The idea here is to activate a community that has proven that and shown that they are interested in, you know, everyone who's on this call obviously has shown interest and fluency with this technology and an appetite to lead in this space. And that's really what I want is, you know, to kind of help bring what we, what we're seeing in web three um, and apply it, in a meaningful way to healthcare. So let's not, you know, try and figure out how we get the NFT that Snoop Dogg is buying and, you know, live next to him in Decentraland. I want to figure out how we use this technology to actually improve healthcare. And I think a major first step is understanding the mechanics of it, really doing your research, going down rabbit holes and learning um, what the infrastructure and landscape looks like, how things like decentralized organizations, cryptocurrencies, NFT and the metaverse experiences kind of tie together. Um, having conversations like this, where we shoot around ideas, where we take folks like Scott and Bill who are bringing parallels from previous fundraising cycles and 
crazy ideas about, you know, overhauling really entrenched systems in our, you know, in our healthcare world. Um, and just and, and chewing on these ideas as a community. So I'm, I'm just super excited to be doing this with everybody. And yeah, please feel free to message me. Let's talk about it. Let's continue building. And if you want to be involved, like I said, the best way to do this is, you know, to join this community by securing an NFT, go to maddeviceclub.com so that when we, you know, begin to mint these, you have access to one, they're going to be affordable so that people in this community can, um, you know, join and then help build the future of it with us. Cause there's a lot of things that we want to do a lot, you know, a lot of directions we want to go and we need, you know, really excited, motivated community members. Absolutely. And Henry, I know you're running short on time, but do you mind taking a few seconds? I'm going to share my screen to show the website, but do you mind walking people through at a high level, more or less sure. the minting process? And, and for those, uh, well, oh, yeah, here will be that that'll be the minting, the minting page and minting infrastructure will be released a little bit later. Right now, okay. it's just it's the sign up. So when we do that, we'll make sure we put content out about it. Yeah. And let me just show show everybody just so people know. I mean, aside from going to the website, this is this is right. all you really need to do. And we're going to make it super easy in terms of the minting process. No, you know, sketchy, sketchy exchanges of cash or et cetera, you know, et cetera. We're going to work on kind of the cross mint platform so you can mint using, you know, you can purchase using a credit card that'll get transferred to native crypto, et cetera. Exactly. And so I was going to say, just for everybody, go, go to maddeviceclub.com, sign up with your email, first name, last name. You'll be, we'll send out instructions to make it really easy. And again, just so people see it, this is, this is what the NFT looks like. Okay. It's beautiful. It's a work of art. Um, and, uh, something I, I wanted to, to point out, by the way, you know, one is we have a, um, we have a really big partner, um, that we're going to be announcing early next week. A press release is actually going to be going out about it. So that's going to be exciting. One thing I would say again, you know, you can buy this NFT resale, resales are, are going to happen. Um, but we've already had some major partners reach out because they want to donate something to the community. So as an example of this, um, there's different marketing agencies who have reached out and said, hey, uh, we would like to, for example, ship physical assets, whether it's like books or swag or something to your to anybody who owns your NFT. So just literally owning the NFT today is going to have access to a community, a few other things. But three, six months from now, there's going to be a lot of things that it's going to give access to because, again, that's the kind of the beauty, beautiful part about these NFTs is that you create these communities. Uh, there's value in them. There's education involved. But then uh, certain vendors who want to support the community, you know, they come forward and, you know, it's like an all-access ticket. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll see you later, Henry. Thanks, Henry. MDR, as we, uh, as we kind of wrap things up, let's see if there's any other comments or questions, but, uh, that we can check on, but as I go through the comments and, you know, maybe, maybe you can talk a little bit more about, uh, some of the, some of the things that you're excited about with the project. Sure. Absolutely. And there, there's also one thing I want to clarify for those who are new to the NFT process that we haven't explained, uh, thoroughly, which the minting process basically just means the process of buying the NFT. So minting essentially is just the generation of this digital asset. So when you do purchase it, uh, it immediately gets transferred into your wallet. So um, just after touching on that, just want to make sure everybody here is aware. But what, what I'm excited about, you know, it, honestly, I was first excited about the phrase mad device in the metaverse just because it sounded cool. But it's this whole idea of furthering the community and connecting the community. Because right now I've got an Instagram page where it's kind of minus my inbox. It's one way communication you know it's me posting memes doing polls 
but my followers can't really interact with each other. So with the ability to connect everybody through the Discord platform and then further make that community more tight-knit through this NFT project, that's what I'm excited about. It's the opportunity for us all to get connected in a single forum, to share ideas, and build something together. Because um, it, you know, it started with, hey, NFTs are cool, let's make one, to actually uncovering the utility and you know the real benefits to a community by doing something like this. And what's even more exciting is that this is the first project of its kind in this category. And like Omar and Henry mentioned earlier, you know, we're, we're doing this to really lay the foundation to do more with Web3 and NFT technology uh, and use our community to do it together in more of a DAO-like structure. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And by the way, I'm um, messaging Fabian about this. Uh, give me one second. Sure. And while you're while you're waiting on that, I'm, I just want to let everybody know, if you're not familiar with the Discord app, you can download it. If you have an iPhone and Android, you can download the browser. There's a browser based app, but you can also download a desktop version of this. So it'd be a good thing to do before this project starts just to familiarize yourself with Discord, how it works. And the way to join is we will have an invite that'll be posted across all of our platforms um, that'll give you access to the broader community. Yeah, and Fabian, I was going to say, so Fabian says, I love the idea. I hope I can afford to join it. You can, because again, we're going to price the NFT around like a hundred or so bucks. Like it's, it's going to be affordable for everybody. Something that I just want to point out just because I think it's such a great conference and I, I selfishly want to see like more and more people know about it uh, outside of just like strategics and investors. Um, but the uh, conference that we're going to be uh, speaking at the emerging MedTech conference, just so people know if you can't be there in person in, uh, in, uh, in, in Dana point, if you go to lifesciencemarketresearch.com um, and go to the Emerging MedTech Summit, where it says virtual is open, if you click that, you actually have two ch choices. You can do $750 for the live stream plus recordings, or if you're an investor, there's it's $1,700, and you can actually do um, recordings, and you have the partner app, and there's hundreds of MedTech companies presenting. Something that's interesting, and again, this is why I wanted to share this. Um, the keynote is going to be David Wheel, who came up with the Jobs Act under the Obama administration, which talks about equity crowdfunding, which was really designed just for healthcare, right? And so you have somebody like that speaking, plus all these strategics and VCs giving a talk. And then Henry, myself, and, and Scott Pantel are going to be doing the panel on the NFTs and Web3. So I share that just because it's a really exciting time in medtech. And even if uh, you know, you may not understand some of these things. A lot of people don't. That's fine. I would say find ways to learn about it through these sort of events. Again, the NFT Web3 talk that I'll be doing with, with Henry, we're going to have that video. You'll be able to watch that later on for free. But to sort of see the other talks like the Wield uh, uh, keynote and some of these other investor talks, I, I think it's worth the, worth the money to do the virtual and actually watch them. It's, it's one of the best conferences. I actually stopped going to JP Morgan Health and prefer this one. So shameless plug, Scott Pantel, I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> but it's a great, it's a great, great organization. Um, let's see any other before we wrap up uh, MDR, any other, any other topics we want to cover before we let everybody go. And again, thank you all for joining for those you, you can we'll, we, we can take maybe one more one or two more questions. But anything else we haven't covered MDR? 
you know, I think for what we wanted to just, excuse me, I think for what we wanted to discuss today, it's been pretty thorough and appreciate everybody's engagement. This was fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining. Uh, the This recording will live on this event, so you can come back and watch it. We'll publish this on our podcast, which is The State of MedTech. You can find it across all platforms. If you listen to this podcast, please do us a big favor on Apple. Give us a five-star review and and write a review. Like You can just be short, like great podcast, whatever. It really helps us because we want more people to find this. And for those who are physicians who are watching this, um, I'm going to make this eligible for a CME credit via our partners at CMFI. So just look in the show notes when this when this is published uh, on YouTube or our podcasting platforms. You just click a link, take 30 seconds to write a quick reflection, and then you're able to claim an uh, ACCME CME credit. So that's all for today. Thank you all for joining, and we'll see you next time on the State of MedTech. Go to the maddeviceclub.com, sign up for our list, and hopefully you'll be joining our first initial mint. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of The State of MedTech. I'm your host, Omar M. Khatib. Do us a favor. If you like this episode, share with somebody and go ahead on Apple and Spotify, wherever you are, leave a five-star review. Type a few nice notes about us. This is how we get other people to find the show. Thank you. We'll see you next time. 